A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello, hello, and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Uh, Roberto, it's uh, Halloween. Do you have a favorite favorite Halloween movie or favorite scary movie that uh, we both like movies? So, any uh, any cinema that uh, particularly scares you that you enjoy? Yeah, I mean, I actually love horror movies. Um... So uh, I probably uh, the conjuring the conjuring movies one and two. Um, the now that the has big... to do with like possessions and stuff, correct? Yes, yes it does. So is that particularly interesting to you because of your yes. uh, Bible background? A hundred percent. My mom thinks I'm a freaking weirdo that I go to Bible college or go to seminary and I'm a pastor and I'm a Bible teacher, but yet I love anything any kind of horror movie dealing with demon possession. Uh, <laughs> I do, and I own them. I own almost every one of them too. So um, anything, anything with with Jason and all that does does that not that those I mean, movies I mean, are good, but like yeah. is it kind of like oh those those are cool? Yeah, like it, it like that's cute. You know, like they have their oh, place. Oh, oh, he's oh he's got a knife, or oh he's got a machete. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, we're talking about something that can possess your soul and cripple right. you from yeah. within. Right. Um, but also, <clears throat> also there's been a trend with uh, horror movies over the last couple of years. Um, I'm calling them um, powder keg horror movies, where it's just a, a tension that is constantly built up and built up and built up to where it just kind of all explodes towards the end, and it's just like a very intense, uncomfortable feeling throughout the entire film. Would that um, and, it out? Um, or maybe what's to an example degree. of that. Um, uh, the witch. Um, it comes at night, um, hereditary. hereditary. Okay, um, and, and then this past year or this year, um, one of my favorite movies of the year is, uh, Midsummer, which is made by the same director that did, um, hereditary. I'm, good. I'm just a huge fan of horror movies. I, I'll watch any of them. Um, even the bad but, ones, but you was, also have to mention now we're talking about horror movies right there at the very top. Ernest scared stupid now. The Absolutely. Gosh, you know, God forbid we forget about that puppet troll that just, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's a kid that scared the crap out of me. Okay. Oh, it's a good movie. I'm, I'm dying to show it to my nephew. I'm kind of mad that I don't get to do that this sure year. Sure you are. I'm sure you are. I, oh, I am. Don't, to, to, to the nephew of Spencer Van Horn, don't worry. You're going to hear tons about Ernest movies, Tom Hanks, and any ty- any kind of movie before the year 1995. Okay. Well, I mean, gotta. <laughs> there's, there's an encyclopedia of things to learn there. Straight. You gotta, <laughs> gotta keep, gotta keep them straight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, this is a college football podcast. So, uh, yeah. over. Do you want to start overreactions, or are there any news bits that you wanted to get to? Joey Galloway or uh, Joey Gatewood did uh, announce transferring this week from uh, Auburn, and that's a pretty interesting. You know, just kind of bringing up that thing, that question: How do coaches? Not that I feel sorry for them, but how do coaches build depth at uh, the quarterback position nowadays with that transfer portal? Well, I I know one of us was going to say the stats, so I'll go ahead and jump on it and say it. Speaking specifically um, about Gus Malzahn at Auburn, um, while he's been the head coach at Auburn, he's had 11 quarterbacks that he's he's brought in. 11 quarterbacks on his roster. Eight of them have either transferred or changed positions. So that leaves only three quarterbacks as, in, as his entire time as coach at Auburn, head coach at Auburn, has stayed on and can and finished their career as quarterback. Those three, Bo Nix, Jared Sidham, and Nick Marshall. 
which Bo Nick Marshall, now. ironically, <laughs> yeah, Bo Nix for now. And ironically, Nick Marshall was a defensive back that came there and and be transferred there from Georgia and became a quarterback. So, uh, I to, to and your yeah, point he was about, a coordinator. He was a coordinator for uh, for Utilia geez, with the Panthers. Yes, 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 yes. Um, the the interesting thing about though, like I. Yes, in the big scheme of things, yes, it, it is very. It's going to be very hard for coaches to keep quarterback depth. But just speaking about Auburn in general, I, I think that I think the narrative is more focused on them. Of why can't Gus Malzahn keep quarterbacks, or why you know what I'm saying? Like I think that that to me is the bigger narrative here. Um, just because we've heard we've heard this bit over and over again, especially with Georgia having three five stars and then losing both of them to transfer. But with Auburn specifically, what is up with Gus Malzahn and not being able to keep? His quarterbacks. Well, and two, I'll, I'll I'll jump I'll jump in there with a, sort of a you know a, a count not a counter necessarily, but look how well he's done despite kind of turmoil and and the inconsistencies at quarterback. Because look at where FSU's right now with their inconsistencies and not really doing a great job just over the last handful of years, not doing great recruiting the quarterback position. Look how well Gus has done, you know, kind of despite a similar trend. Not the same trend, but a similar trend. No, I mean, that, no, that is a great point. It's, I, I mean, I'll obviously take the conversation in a different direction there. But yes, what is weird? It is weird at that point. How does Gus Malzahn not be able to get and maintain quarterbacks? I mean, and, and I, uh, to, to Gus Malzahn's point, uh, or to defend Gus Malzahn to a degree, I, there are, I firmly believe that there is one or two national championships that this team has if it's not for the fact he's in the same division as as uh, Nick Saban. But that ended two years ago because the last two years, I've seen his offense just either regress or the or college football as a whole has progressed past his offense. Because once again, I've called it this before and I'll call it that again, it is like a mini golf course. It is either super easy or it's gimmicky, one of the two. And yeah. I don't know what I don't know what that means for Auburn moving forward. I mean, I do know this: he can't be running Bo Nix like he is now, because if he gets hurt, that kid who's under him, that third stringer, he's not good. He's so not good that I don't even know his name. Yeah. No, that's that's true. You have to you have to play your quarterback a, a differently now too, and you know Auburn's that. Bo Nix is not great right now to begin with, which we can go into our our overreactions because that's part of uh, my overreaction. Auburn has the worst quarterback situation to pair with a championship caliber defense of the top mm. of the top groups, uh, top teams in the country. They have the best defense, arguably in the country, with the worst quarterback situation to pair it with. Now that's right now. Bo Nix could certainly improve down the line, but at this moment, speaking now, best championship defense uh, or a championship level defense and the worst quarterback situation in college football. I think that's a, I think that is a ninety eight percent. Like I I agree with that ninety eight percent. Um, because because they do have an elite defense. Like it is elite. It it arguably if it had an offense like LSU's, dude, they'd be slaughtering people. Like worse than they already are. You know, like that Florida game wouldn't have been close. You know what I'm saying? Like they would, I honestly think they would slaughter anyone they played if they had Auburn's defense and LSU's offense. Like it would just be gross. Um, my overreaction is that Brian Kelly will never win a national championship at Notre Dame. 
because list reason. Like, it doesn't matter whatever the reason is. He will just never win a national championship at Notre Dame. Could I counter that with Notre Dame will never win a championship with Brian Kelly? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does that, like, change? Yeah, yeah. Does no, no, I, I don't I, – I don't think it does. I think those go hand in hand. I don't think that they're no. mutually mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah. No. I, okay. I mean, so we're in the same because ballpark. I think I think that's I think that's ninety eight percent accurate. That I think he's good. I think if the year goes the right way, if he gets some breaks that maybe he doesn't tend to get, uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than it is to be good. He never seems to be overly lucky, uh, and maybe that's because maybe his groups just aren't that you know aren't that championship level good. But uh, I agree 100% that I, I don't know if Notre Dame's championship bound with Brian Kelly as good as he does with the regular set with the regular season schedule as good as he does uh, you know at at times he's not been cons- speaking of not being consistent at the quarterback position he has just been dealt the worst hand in the history of college football at quarterback uh, he can never keep a guy and even with Ian Book it seems like maybe he's regressed a little bit yeah. Uh, but um, and, but but at, but at some point, don't you have to ask yourself, you know, is it is it Brian Kelly or is it sure? You, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it it's the it's chicken a or the bit egg. Of both. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. And I like, and I'm a Notre Dame supporter. You know, like I'm I actually really I really like Brian Kelly. I thought I thought he was a great hire for Notre Dame at, at the time. Um, I think he fit what they needed. But I and but I, at the same time, I don't think they should. They should fire him. I don't think they should fire him because he is he's recruiting at uh, as an elite level as he can do top ten almost every year with the high standards that they have with living in this in the part of the country that they live in and lit and and honestly having the schedule that they have, which everyone wants to bash, but they're the only team in the country that plays more power five opponents. Uh, they pay mm-hmm. like they play more power five opponents than anyone else in the country. Regardless of what that what those teams are year to year, like we can say the same thing about anybody who plays their out of conference schedule. Like we can we can pick it apart every year, like we've done with Clemson this year or Bama this year. So I don't think I don't think they should be Brian Kelly should be on the hot seat at all because he has achieved so much. But I think just Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans in general need to probably come to terms with, hey, you know what? We may never win a national title under the circumstances we're living in. I mean, we're 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 working with right now. All right, you ready for my next uh, my go next ahead. overreaction? The well, NCAA technically wasn't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I I thought this last one was your no, no, your, your you Notre Dame take was. No, no, no. You had the Notre Dame take. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the NCAA will collapse and cease to exist in two years under the new uh, name, image, and likeness rules. We we are going to witness the. It'll be like the Titanic sinking or the Hindenburg falling down in front of us, or it'll be. Uh, minus obviously the people dying, um, but it will be the greatest tragedy in the history of human events. These the name, image, and likeness uh, 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 new rules for name, image, and likeness. I personally love this overreaction, um, but uh, I, I don't know, know if you sh- could pick up on my sarcasm or not. Uh, no, I, I did. I did. I, <laughs> I was going to say I know where. Like nowhere do I agree with it, but I I think I think it's I think it's a great overreaction because. That that is the way that some people are acting. Like the sky is falling because players will all of a sudden be able to make money off of their likeness, which should have been happening years ago. Um, that's a good one. I like that a lot. Um, 
Uh, my overreaction is Minnesota mm. is going to get somebody in their last four games of the year. They're, they're going to get somebody. They're, they're going to beat someone that they're not supposed to beat in these last four games of the season. Who do they have with the last four? Do you have that in front of you? All right, let me, let me rephrase it because now I'm looking at their schedule. They're going, to get, they're going to win two of their next four games. They play Penn State. They play Iowa at Iowa. They play at Northwestern, and they've got Wisconsin coming to town to end their season. They're going to win two of their next four games, and they're going to make the Big Ten title game. Booyah. So no Penn State then. Or Penn State and Ohio State in the same, same yeah, side? Yeah, they're, they're in the same division. Okay, so they'll eliminate each other. All right, uh, my final one, almost Wait, oh, along oh, the same. What, I mean, what do you, what do you think? What? Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, hell, sixty percent. I mean, I seventy percent. Yeah, I, I, I like this Minnesota team. I like what they do on the ground. Um, what's his name? Tanner Morgan is having a great season. I just looked at his numbers. It's not necessarily outstanding, but he's doing a really, really good job. And I think he's averaging something like ten point two yards uh, per per pass attempt or something like that. So. He's having a great season. Rashard Bateman, who is from Tiff County, which is not far from where you and I grew up. Tiff so, County uh, Ford. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Tiff County Blue Devils. So he played with them. And I believe, if I understand it correctly, his father passed away at the beginning of the season, uh, which was a, a news note down here in Valdosta. And um, and so, I mean, he's having a bang-up year there at, uh, at Minnesota. Maybe sort of, you know, I haven't heard the uh, story, but, you know, channeling – you know, trying to dedicate the season to his dad, perhaps. So he's having a great year. There's two or three other receivers there that are doing well. I like this Minnesota team. So, um, yes, I like their chances to to meet Ohio State in the champion, or maybe even Penn State if, if college football continues to be weird. Yeah. Um, I just – I Minnesota is it's, – it's come to the point now where they're where, – like they are like that 2015-2016 Iowa team where they're going to – they're going to beat some people they're not expecting, and they're going to they're going to end up with double digit wins. And, and like I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten. I, I don't think that at all. But I just think confidence does a really big thing to teams. And when you're eight zero and you're about to face uh, you're about to face Penn State in Minnesota, like that place is going to be rocking. I hope they make that the night game. I really do. I hope that's the night game. So yeah, because you uh, don't get that very often. Yeah. All right. Well, so give me your next point. Uh, Oregon, the Oregon Ducks will make the college football playoff. And this is not so much about Oregon necessarily, but I I mean, I I like Oregon. Oregon's doing great things, but this is more about Oklahoma and Notre Dame losing like they did this past weekend. Kind of, I felt like that was an opening of the floodgates. Minnesota or uh, Wisconsin and Georgia sort of cracking those floodgates a little bit. And then those two losing in the same weekend, the way that they lost, Wisconsin losing again, definitely opens up the floodgates a little bit for uh, for this Oregon team to uh, to kind of sneak their way back in there. Heck, Utah's even in the top ten right now as well. The Pac-12 is is flying high right now. I think if you told them this late in the season they were going to have two teams in the top ten, they would uh, they'd really be loving that. And uh, Oregon's my overreaction. Oregon will make the college football playoff this year as the first representative, or I guess not the first representative, but uh, the second or third representative of the Pac-12 in the college football playoff. Ooh, um, 
Man, I love that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 55. percent Okay. I'm gonna go. Still, 55%. Lot, still a lot of season left to play. Yes, but I, I it is not because of who they lost to as far as like quality of opponent. It's because of who they lost to in their in their conference. I think Oklahoma is gonna get left out, bud. Well, yeah, it might be Oklahoma being left out, and and Oregon takes that spot. I mean, yeah, and it, because because like if you look at quality losses, like the, and the, the committee has shown they care about that. Like, who did you lose to? And like Oregon, very like very all Oregon has to do is win out, and they're going to be in. Oklahoma can't win out, and they're in because if you compare the losses, they'll say Auburn's loss on a neutral field will be more impressive than Oklahoma's loss to a to Kansas State who by the way manhandled them. Yeah. You want to jump into that? Do you want to go there next? Uh Oklahoma Yeah, yeah, let's let, yeah. Yeah, let, Oklahoma, let's Kansas go into that. State. The upset of the weekend for the third straight week we have a top 5 top 5 team lose. We have Kansas State defeating Oklahoma in a game that shows that it was a 7-point game, but if you watch the game for the second and third quarter specifically, and most of the fourth quarter, Kansas State beat the brakes off Oklahoma. They manhandled them. They ran all over them. They they just were physically there was physical bully ball in the in the big in the Big Twelve, and they had no way of they had no way to stop it. And so, um, and Jalen Hurts finally looked human. And so, um, it, it was. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game or watch parts of it, Spencer, but I watched that entire game and. Oklahoma has the same issues they've had for three years now. Their defense is not great. Yeah, and and two, you're 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 talking about some turnovers as well that that are going to come in and and cost you. I think they had a bad one from a, a quarterback or a, a like a halfback toss or a receiver toss, and Goth tries to you know fit a bullet into the middle of the field or something. Nick uh, Basquin, whatever the guy's last name is, and it's just a bad throw that a guy who shouldn't be making that sort of throw is trying to make, and, and it ends up as an interception. I think there's some other uh, fumbles that uh, are turned over as well. So when you're, you know, when you're Oklahoma and, and you make those kinds of mistakes, and this Kansas State team is almost, uh, it's almost more impressive from, from the standpoint that you're taking, that, uh, that they play that bully ball score, uh, you know, 17 points in the second and third quarter, uh, you know, each. Oklahoma tries to make a, a push there in the fourth quarter with 18 points, but man, it was, it's almost like it was over at that point. Yeah, I completely agree. What's the next game on the list? Uh, Wisconsin, Ohio state will stick with some blowouts here. Uh, this just kind of continues and, and something that happened to, to our school and the team that I get the chance to cover. We had some, uh, we had a tough game this weekend and it relates to Ohio State in a way. We had a tough game. We turned the ball over. We paid for that. We just dodged a bullet, did the uh, Blazers, getting out of dodge with uh, with North Greenville, who was 3-4 and four coming into the game. It wasn't supposed to be a close. It ended up being that way, 20-15, to 15, right at the end. But we turned the ball over, and we got punched in the face, and it took us a while to respond to a team that maybe we didn't think was going to be a huge challenge. Ohio State consistently, week in and week out, takes – the best teams and the not so best teams and makes them all look the same. And there has to be, we talked about it last time. There has to be some credit given for that uh, in terms of the rankings that Ohio state probably deserves to be one of the two best teams in the country right now. 
because the way they continue to play week in and week out, they don't do what Oklahoma did this weekend. They don't do what Georgia and Wisconsin have done the last couple of weekends or what Notre Dame did this past weekend. They're not having that slip, and we're eight, nine games into the season. They deserve a lot of credit for that. I'm going to make a bold statement. I know you're used to them for me. Mm-hmm. Well, the pod listeners Ohio- now, we're about 20 episodes in, so they're used to it too. <laughs> Ohio State may be the most fun team in the country to watch play. Yeah, Chase, Chase, Chase Young is... Um, yeah, I mean, Chase Young, pretty, Chase Young should win the Heisman. Like that, that, that. that oh, that's me, it. Yeah, that'll happen. That, 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 that should not even be up for discussion any longer. I, I just, I do not care what gaudy numbers these quarterbacks are putting up against these garbage defenses. What Chase Young was able to do just against uh, Wisconsin alone, who is there is no debate an elite offensive line. He was getting triple teamed and still getting sacks. Yeah. He is he yeah. is incredible. He he is incredible, and he should win the Heisman, but he won't because I hate the Heisman Trophy and what it's become. But he won't win it. But he a hundred percent should win it. Yeah, they'll give him the ceremonial or the um, what is it the receiving votes sort of deal about. Hey, we'll invite yeah. you to New York. He'll, he'll go. Yeah, he'll, this, he'll dress yeah. up and look nice. Yeah, yeah. You're not winning uh, this award. What anything so, that any major takeaways from Wisconsin? Obviously. Or, any takeaways from Wisconsin in terms of did we did we have they did they not show us something this go around or was this just Ohio State just smothering them and not really giving them a chance to to have any kind of say in this game? You know, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, no. Like, I'm I'm just trying to think. I'm sorry, I, I didn't know this question was coming. So give, give me a second to think. Um, Take your time. Maybe. Maybe Wisconsin is just a really good football team and not really, an really elite good. football yeah. team. Right. I'm, they're just, uh, that's they're just, they're just not elite. <clears throat> they're not elite. And unfortunately they're not elite, but yet they have an elite O-line and an elite running back, but their quarterback, like he is seriously, he is Alex Hornybrook 2.0. And I don't understand. Like, I hope if they lose another game, I hope they just put the freshman in that I'm super excited about because that kid will sling it. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a t- I want to see a quarterback at Wisconsin sling it because they have wide receivers. And and look, l- let me let me just make this very clear too, though. To to give Wisconsin some credit for two for freaking two quarters until the last fifteen seconds of the second quarter, Wisconsin was putting it on Ohio State and Justin Fields on on their on offense. It was just you couldn't last long enough because you couldn't yeah. put points on. If they could have put points on and put some real pressure on Justin Fields, like mentally, <clears throat> like I've got to score this, I've got to score this, I've got to score this, and and force him to make more mistakes, then I then I truly think, like maybe the game turns out differently. But they didn't. They didn't take advantage of anything. They they were abysmal. Like there there's sometimes a difference in a defense being really elite, which Ohio State is, but also your offense just being so vanilla and not good. And, that yeah, just, and, and Wisconsin's a great example of, you know, you have to do some adapting to the times. You have to be able to keep up offensively. The idea of defense wins championships is just, that's not really a, a, a completely valid, you know, that, that statement doesn't hold as much weight in today's football world because of you got to be able to keep up with scoring points. Yes, agreed. 
Uh, Notre Dame, Michigan. Were, how surprised were you that Notre Dame just kind of kept it, – it felt like it took a while, but they ultimately just slipped and fell away from this ballgame. Did you, did you watch this game? I, I was able to listen to a tad bit of it, but no, I didn't get a chance to watch it. We were on the road coming uh, back. Tiger. The play of the, the the play of the game was the block punt that Notre Dame had. Uh, Notre Dame blocks a punt early on in the game, and when you block Notre Dame a, covers it or something weird, right? Well, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. They, they block the punt, and when you block a punt, get a, like the per, the team who blocked the punt, unless you are picking it up to run it in the end zone or you are falling on the ball, do not go near the football because it's a live ball, and if anyone like so you block it. He should the player tries to jump on the ball for Notre Dame. He misses the ball but touches it, and then Michigan jumps back on the ball. And because the ball was past the line to gain, they get the ball back and they drive down and score. And then so, just from so Michigan is punting. Notre Dame blocks yes. it, mishandles how to recover it or how to, you know, yeah. how to deal with it after the block, and Michigan gets the ball back. hundred percent. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, and then, and then it just and then it just becomes a downpour of just Notre Dame not being good on offense, and and that just showed their defense got exhausted. There's nothing else they could do. So very good. Um, all right, all right um, what's up? You you were able to see the UCLA Arizona State game. I kind of mm-hmm. I think we both kind of figured Herm Edwards and, and Arizona State would do something better against UCLA, but college football is weird. It, this is a game that I actually get to praise Chip Kelly for. Um, I didn't know I didn't know he had this in him this year. Um, that team, do they had they just had no they had no fear. Like they put the the thing is they were beating the crap out of Arizona State for most of the game in first quarter fourteen points, second quarter fourteen, third quarter fourteen points. Arizona State scored seven points in the first, three points in the third, and it wasn't until the fourth where they scored twenty two points to make it make it look reasonable. Mm-hmm. And they were and they they lost forty two thirty two. Um, to blow your mind mind hole for a second, UCLA is one game back of the freaking uh, of their division. Wow. What was the issue for Arizona state offensively? Cause it looked like Jaden Daniels did pretty good on the night, 20 of 29 267 and three touchdown tosses. Did they just not open it up early on in, in the ball game? What in the world was the issue? It, it really just felt like it really felt like it was, I mean, I, I if I'm not mistaken, those three, one of those touchdowns was in the first quarter. The other two were in the fourth. Mm-hmm. So it it just seemed like they couldn't finish drives. Okay, that makes sense. I mean that that's just the that's the only thing I can I could come up with. Very good. All right, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Your uh, Pokes able to come through with a victory this weekend, and they're always good for one. That Big Twelve is extremely difficult to navigate and it proved uh, again this weekend a promising team in Iowa State which we both picked uh, during the offseason uh, slips up against uh, a very talented Oklahoma State team man I just I, I I don't I just don't I don't get I don't get Iowa State man I just, just don't get them that and, and, the, and the reason why I say I don't get them is because I know what's going to happen and they'll beat Oklahoma next week like that, that's just that's just because you know what I'm saying. Like that's just because Oklahoma it, will lose two in a row. 
I think they have another loss in them, yeah. I, I, I think I, I think their defense got incredibly exposed in, in this past week in this past week's game. And and Iowa State will run on you. Um like I, I just Iowa State should not have lost that game. They should not have lost. They sh- they should have handled their business and got things done. But credit to Spencer. I mean, like, well, I, I mean, Spencer Sanders played a good game, but like, Brock Purdy did really well. He threw for three eighty two, but only a touchdown. But I mean, and three picks. Yeah, and and unfortunately, the negative is the three picks. But right, Chuba and that's Hubbard, how you man. lose, and that's how you lose a game like yeah. this. It, it sounds thirty four twenty seven one possession. Two interceptions, you know that that kills opportunities right there. One in, one interception kills opportunities. You throw three, and who's to say, you know, you take you get at least one of those back. Is, is you know, does that count as a touchdown if you get one of those back? It's very likely yeah. that it could. And and also just credit quickly to Chuba Hubbard continuously being the running back in the country that no one's talking about, who is just amazing. And speaking of amazing, Baylor just caught a disgusting catch to get a first down. It was that was gross. Anyway, um, oh no, that's for a touchdown. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. Oh, he stepped out of bounds. I think. Anyway, um, we I move on squirrel. to the next game. I'm sorry, but yeah, my bad. Squirrel, squirrel. Um, Oregon, Washington State. The Cougars gave quite the fight. Oregon had to hold them off in order to uh, benefit from all the chaos that happened in front of them. Oregon kicks the last second field goal, is that right, to win 38-35? Yeah, with one minute left to go, Washington State takes the lead, and Justin Herbert turns around and drives his team down to get in scoring position to kick a field goal to win the game. It was just one of those super impressive games, uh, and specifically from from Hubbard. Like that's That's the kind of stuff you want to see a championship team. Yeah, yeah, kind of sort of a Heisman moment. Not necessarily that he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but sort of a Heisman moment from uh, Justin Fields. Yeah. Uh, uh, Herbert, I'm sorry. Yeah. Very good. All right, uh, speaking of uh, Heisman moments from your quarterback, Auburn couldn't get one. If they could just get one, maybe they beat LSU this weekend, 23-20 for the Tigers. No, you go ahead on this one. Yeah, so you get Auburn... I, again, it goes back to that overreaction that we told you about. I mean, if if Bo Nix is just able to do a little bit better, your defense is holding one of the most powerful offenses uh, in check, and it's even turning the ball over some. It's really pressuring. It's really getting some opportunities. But if it's not for some short opportunities, uh, Auburn's not able to score points. Their special teams and their defense really puts the offense in position to get the points that they do get in this ball game. So uh, again, for Auburn, I mean, I think if you know the higher ups are probably looking at their watches and and watching Gus Mel's on right now, thinking, yeah, your your time is up here, buddy, because we got too good a defense to be to be losing these games by. You know, to you know, to be holding these kinds of offenses to this sort of production, just twenty three points, we we should be beating. We should be winning those games. Yeah, I the the okay. The problem with the talk of firing Gus Malzahn, you have to you can't do that without talking about how much it's going to cost to buy him out when sure. he just got a contract extension two years ago. Um. No, yeah, I'm I'm on board there. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm d- just making the yeah. observation. 
Yeah, I th- this game to me was further proof that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the country. Just, I mean, he was getting hit and hit and hit and taking it to the chin. Um, I will say this: I do not think that you know, I do not think this cost Auburn the game. But the defensive line for Auburn was being held literally every play for LSU. <laughs> Derek Brown, Derek Brown was mauling people, and. Uh, and, LSU's but, offensive line was holding. Yes, every okay. time it was it was absurd. Um, and, and so, um, uh, I'm so sorry, I got distracted for a second. Uh, so Auburn Auburn was just getting held constantly, but they didn't. They, they never gave up. They never quit playing. They played very tough. But it really just, I mean, even though they only they only won by three points, it does. It didn't really feel like Auburn was going to win the game, and that just felt like. Auburn couldn't just couldn't put things together when they needed to at the right time. Yeah, yeah. fifteen of thirty-five for Bo Nix. I mean, the thirty-three carries, uh, one hundred and thirty yards, three point nine yards per carry. It's just that's not going to get it done. I mean, it almost did because, I, and I feel like it almost did because of how good the defense was. I mean, if Bo Nix just completes five more passes, six more passes, you know, does that does that win you the ball game? With your defense playing that well, how many yeah. of the you know six more passes? How many more first downs? Is there another scoring opportunity in there that you make because he's just doing just enough? But fifteen of thirty-five, man, that's that's atrocious. At at Auburn, that's atrocious. Oh no, that was, was that LSU. No, I'm saying when you're playing for Auburn. Oh, you know, oh, okay, My yeah, 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 not, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I I agree with you, and the. Part of the part of the thing, just again to I can't believe I'm saying this to praise to praise him again in Joe Burrow. This is the third time this year they've been they've been down in the fourth quarter at home, and he has somehow put together a drive to to put the game out of reach to to, to take the lead in the game, and that to me is incredibly impressive that he's been able to continuously do that. He, I mean. I have no idea where this team's going to go. I have no idea what the the um, what the the glass the glass ceiling is for this team, or you know the the floor, so to speak, also for this team is. But I'm going to say this, man. I I have enjoyed watching them play week to week, and it is going to be. I, I I'm telling you, man. I cannot wait. Or uh, holy crap! I just realized I'm not going to get to watch the game next week. Crap. I just. I'm sorry, people. I this is really bad podcasting, but I've just now realized that I am not going to be able to watch the LSU-Bama game next weekend because I will be in Athens for the Missouri-Auburn game, or Missouri-Georgia game. <laughs> that is so frustrating. <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm, glad you I'm not laughing this. at you. I'm laughing at that the, 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 this is something you're figuring out now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so annoying. Anyway, okay. Are you done? <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. I'm just this is just the epitome of freaking disappointment. Um, it's out. It's Georgia and Missouri. I mean, can you sell the tickets? <laughs> okay, uh, no, I cannot because uh, Travis is. You know, Travis. Travis is coming up from Tampa. I can't. I can't oh, cancel. Yeah, of course, you can't. No. He's probably listening to this right now. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, actually, he does listen. What's up, Travis? I love you. Um, again, I, I think. Okay, let me ask you this really quickly because I know we, we're trying to get to the other games. Uh. Who's your top four right now? LSU, 
Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and not necessarily in that order. But if you want to, do you want me to do an order? Because I don't. Yeah, in order. I try to do them in order. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hell, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Clemson. That's my order. I'm gonna I'm gonna officially go with that. Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, oh, uh, Clemson. I have the exact same teams in the exact same order. Mm. Great minds. And I and I don't even I don't even doubt it. Like I don't even question it. Yeah, I don't think there's okay. much. Is, is there anybody that you think can can get into that top five that are that's out or top four that's outside? I mean, I think we have confidence in Georgia, end, but or yeah, by, by season. Oh uh, yeah, Penn State, Georgia, Oregon, Oklahoma. Would you trade any of those teams for the your four right now? Do you think anybody? No. Right, right. Because because two of them are coming off. Yeah, two of them are coming off ugly losses. So yeah. I, I can't. I, I ask me at the end of November. We'll we'll see. Because because Georgia, for most people, know Georgia's about to go through a gauntlet. Yep. So we'll we'll find out how good they are. All right, uh, would you like to start in all the other places and then end up at the big one, or do you want to get the big one out of the way? No, let's, 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 let's get the small ones and build up to the big one. I do want to mention this really quickly as a nerd moment. Uh, I am paying attention to the Georgia Southern-South Alabama game, and Georgia Southern is running a pistol Maryland eye, brother. It, it is the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Sexy, like a chocolate mm-hmm. strawberry. Um, Go ahead. Miami at FSU. Man, you remember when this game mattered? Yeah, and I hope it'll matter again in the future. It just it feels like Miami's still having a tough time finding the guy because even in Manny Diaz's first year, sometimes you feel like you get a coach and you feel like okay, there's there's some clear signs and and maybe Miami people have have had clear signs of okay things are working and we're it just feels like this Miami team's much more talented than they're playing to a degree. Feels like they should be getting, you know, 25 points a game. It should. It feels like they should be doing better than 16 to 12 or whatever their last victory was. It, it's a victory, but it's kind of like, man, this is, this is tough. And the same thing for FSU. I'm not, I don't mean to pick on Miami. It's the same thing for FSU. You're kind of thinking, man, you guys are much more talented than some of these games that you've put together as well, defensively and offensively. So, um, Yes, I remember when the game used to matter. I hope it matters again in the future. And um, it certainly could mean matter this year in terms of Willie Taggart's... Uh, the perception of Willie Taggart at FSU could benefit a lot. And in some circles, it's probably going to save his job. In some circles. Not that those circles necessarily are decision makers, but you know, pe- boosters and stuff that are really irritated right now, maybe they cool off. Because he beats Miami. Yeah, I, I've been really critical of the Manny Diaz hire from the beginning. Um, again, if I get told one more game, one more game that his father was the mayor of Miami, I'm going to lose it. Um, but hey, Rob, did you know that uh, oh, you 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 <laughs> suck? I hate you. Um, okay, so this game doesn't matter like it used to. It should. Miami has talent. They just need a coach to put it all together. Um, FSU definitely has the talent. Their 24-7 sports still in their team deposit still has them number seven in talent. But yet they are abysmal to watch play because they, like you've alluded to, they have horrible quarterback play. I'm going to go Miami because I just, I think they have the better, I think they have the better team. 
yeah, and part of me wants to go with FSU because I feel like they're at least somewhat more competent on offense. But Miami is scoring 26.8 points per game. So maybe maybe they have enough offense as well. Oh, Yeah, let's stick with Miami because they're, they're, they're playing the better defense right now. And I don't completely try. I mean, FSU's one-dimensional on offense. And I don't. I do not trust Alex Hornibrook at all. I think FSU is trying to put all their eggs into that basket, and I think it's wrong. So, yeah, give me Miami here as well because I, I just I don't trust Alex Hornibrook. Yeah. Ultimately, when it comes down to their, their personnel. Yep. All right, uh, Nebraska at Purdue was another one I thought might be an interesting game this weekend. They don't have interesting records. Uh, Nebraska's four and four, two and six, four Purdue. Nebraska's a three and a half point favorite there in West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, how do you feel about, uh, these two teams? 12 o'clock, um, feels like both need this game, especially Purdue two and six. Both need to find some sort of momentum. You know what I'm saying? Let me just, let me go Purdue. I don't know who's going to win this game, but I'm going to go Purdue. Yeah, I'll go Nebraska. I think kind of going back to the conversation of, you know, who has the offense, I feel like Nebraska has the more offense. Neither neither is good on defense, but I'll go with Nebraska having the better offensive talent. And I'll take full credit. I bought into Nebraska being great this year, and and I'm saying that that I'm saying I'm wrong, but now I'm realizing that, holy crap, they were Scott Frost has a was left with no talent on this team. Yep, yep, and 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 two. I always reference that great article from SB Nation that you know talks about how there's zilch in like a three hundred yard span, not yard, but three hundred mile span in all directions around Lincoln, Nebraska. The the pool of three stars and four stars is extremely shallow. Like you have to go outside of Nebraska and into California and into Texas and all those other places to recruit. And great that he has connections in those places, but man, it just feels like it's going to take some time. Yeah, I I agree. I I'm gonna go Purdue. I I'm not picking anything. I'm not picking anything Nebraska until I see Scott Frost bring in a top twenty, top fifteen recruiting class. I'm just I'm just learning my lesson. Talent matters. Sure. Um, Utah at Washington, number nine. Utah at Washington. Washington's not been great against top defenses, and Utah has given up only ten points per game and two hundred and thirty yards of total offense. You got to take the Utes, right? I mean, Washington has not been great against top defenses. A hundred percent. I I'm a little I'm a little worried about. Utah needing all three of their top playmakers be, to be healthy for them to be a, a decent, competent offense. Sure. But I think that's going to happen here. I just don't think Washington – I'm not saying the sky is falling for them, but I just don't think Washington is, is that great. I think Utah is set for the, – they are set for a destined um, battle with Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Give me Utah. Which – USC team shows up when mm. number seven Oregon comes to town because if it's the good USC team, if it's the consistent Trojans, 
that's going to be a ball game because Washington State just handed Oregon a really tight ball game. If the good Trojan team shows up, uh, you could number seven Oregon could be in trouble again and needing a, another late field goal. All right, Oregon. If you want to go to the playoff, go to Southern Cal and beat these boys. Yeah. You you have had a lot of injuries. I understand that. They have. But it doesn't matter. If you want to be an elite team, go into Southern Cal and win this game. I'm going to go Oregon, but I'm going to tell you, I, I don't feel comfortable about it. Yeah, just because you don't know which USC team is going to show up. It's, yeah. um, but they haven't been impressive defensively in terms of their numbers at all this year. Uh-uh. And Oregon certainly has only 14, 15 points God, a game. They've been so good. They've been yeah. so good. So um, I feel like, and again, the only time Oregon's been beat is the is the, the Auburn game, of course. So they're 5-0 and in conference. USC's just four and one in conference, so this is going to be a big conference game here between these two teams, and and I like Oregon as well, as I just don't trust USC. I'm not going to put uh, too many eggs into their kind of uh, Jekyll and Hyde uh, basket. All right, uh, last one is uh, before the big one: number 15 SMU, number 24 Memphis should be a, a game scoring close to 80 total points in this one. Two big offenses. Yeah. And, uh, um, and and kind of okay defenses, dude. I'm SMU man. They're they're going they're going undefeated. Print the shirts. Yeah, yeah SMU. You you kind of feel like Memphis has had. They've already stumbled once with the loss in conference. So you know their backs are up against the wall. They don't need another one. And they've been slightly better on defense than uh than than SMU has, but. It hasn't been by a ton, so we'll. Uh, I don't know their pass defense for for West for Mich- I'll get it right here in a minute. Memphis has been significantly better than the uh, pass defense for um, SMU, but it just feels like both offenses are too hard powered. We've seen Memphis stumble before. SMU's on a roll. Give me the Mustangs as well. This is SMU their highest rate. Yeah, this is their highest rating uh, since the '80s. Is it not their highest ranking? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's incredible. Well, let's go. Get, give uh, me, man, I hope SMU goes undefeated. I would just love to see that. I uh, can, can, uh, I was really fired up today when I saw the Seth Emerson article, you know, of Jake saying, I'm really, Jake Fromm saying, I'm really ready to go out and show what we've been working on and, and make plays and show what we've been doing. Not just because the offensive player for one team is really excited about, the practice that they've been having and it's sort of generic player a being really excited about his team, the blue team. And, you know, they're ready to go play football. It's some of that is obviously in play, but there's also it's, it's Jake. It's Jake that's saying this. And you just kind of feel like there's a, did you read the article? I didn't know. I don't, I don't have an opportunity to read it. I don't have I I don't have the, the athletic. It was from Seth Emerson, but there's just something about, when Jake says it, the way the the resume that he has in his career, the uh, you know when he's played poorly, he's bounced back really well. So uh, I'm looking forward. He's he's never played poorly two games in a row, and he sort of had these last two games. So I'm definitely uh, excited to see what he can do. Florida Georgia there uh, this weekend. Georgia Florida, excuse me, uh, this weekend there at the uh, at Jacksonville. Okay, Did you so read I- that article. 
Um, I read the article be- because a another Bulldog site, Georgia Bulldog site, read it and quoted him throughout their article. Um, and apparently, you need to Jake make that article. Jake makes some comments of that. Were, I'm not going to say names, but there were players in the locker room that said things to the team that needed to be said, which, which, which I, I just love conti- continues to confirm the things that I've told you behind closed doors of what's been said to me. You know, um, so I'm just, I'm just glad that I'm continuously getting good information from 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 people. Uh, but yeah, things were said behind behind closed doors over the last two weeks. And um, apparently this team has a new mindset and he, but he did also say for those that think we're going to come out and all of a sudden be a completely different offense, that's not going to happen. We're just going to execute better. We're going to make better plays and we're going to make big plays. Um, So just to give, just to affirm kind of the stuff that you've been saying. So, yeah. um, All right. I, uh, so uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to pose the question that you posed to me the other day. Uh, on the radio, can can Florida establish the run and stop the run? I don't think they can establish the run. Um, not against this defense. Uh, Georgia sneakily has a top nine, top, top eight defense in the country. They are freaking fantastic. Um, at, 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 just on defense. And, and they have not allowed a rushing touchdown all year. Uh, they're the only team in the country that has not allowed a rushing touchdown all year. They, they can stop the run. But fun fill fact, uh, Florida, when, and I said that we talked about this on the podcast with David Petway, um, if you can David go Waters. listen to bon- David, oh, sorry, David Waters, if you can go listen to that uh, bonus episode, it came out earlier this week, when Zuniga and the other defensive tackle who who's going to be back for this week, Greenwood, um, Greenwood or Gennard, he, Gennard, whatever it is. Yeah, when, when they're both on the field together, they are allowing 1.9 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Now that is only for two games, and that is against mm-hmm. Miami, and some I think it was uh, some other rink-a-dink college in week two. Tom, Thompson or oh, Tom, yeah, that, whatever. That's not a, um, it, it, see again another sort of. I know. Hey, we talk uh, about you and I talk about this all the time. How stats are used so often, but context is not always given for those for those numbers. Right. Yeah. Um. But uh, I mean it. It's it's going to be super interesting, man. I I, I need to I'm I'm trying to stall for a second so I can look at my Twitter feed and look. Okay, here here is an interesting fact. So while uh, Florida is getting 100% healthy, it does seem that Georgia is going to be 98.9% healthy as well. Um, mm-hmm. Returning Lawrence Cager, Demetrius Robert Robertson, um, uh, and the boy, Campbell. the man, T- Tyson Campbell. Yeah, yeah. But here yeah. He, here's something about uh, Lawrence Cager. Okay. Uh, of showing how important Lawrence Cager is. Before Lawrence Cager was injured in, in the South Carolina game, Jake Fromm was 11 of 16 passing. After the injury, Fromm went 17 of 35 with three interceptions. To continue this, 11 of Cager's 24 targets this season have been contested. He's caught 9 of 11 of those contested catches for 81%. That is number one contested catch percentage in college football. Number one. He has he is overall he has twenty one receptions in twenty four targets, and a one and a, and when thrown to he uh, Jake Fromm has a hundred and thirty seven passer rating throwing it to him. That is How, a lot. Of, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, he's he's healthy. Yep. How healthy? I mean, like 
I don't he plays, think, I don't, I don't, know he got I don't think Kirby's going to play him. I don't think Kirby's going to play him unless he knows he he's okay to not get hurt again. Right. And I get, and the reason I bring it up is he was, he got injured in the game before the game before South Carolina and then re aggravated the injury and it caused yeah. him to be out. So that, that's why I bring that up. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I just, I did not realize until I was starting to look at these numbers how I, I knew Lawrence Cager was important, but I did not realize how important he was to whether it's the passing game overall or just to Jake from psyche as a passer, but the he's back. Net. Yeah. The safety net. Um, but at the same time, you know, just like last year, Jeremiah Holloman was that for, for Jake from. So, um, I, I'm, we don't have to belabor this because uh, as far as from my end, because I've, I've, I gave a lot of analysis. Yes. Last week, um, or last or the, earlier this week, I'm picking Florida to win this game. Um, it is not because of Kirby. It is not because of Jake. It, and it's not because of defense. It is because I do not trust James Coley. Also, eventually streaks break. And Kirby Smart is undefeated against Todd Grantham. And and uh, with whatever teams he's been on, he is also undefeated against Dan Mullen as a, as a coach and a co- as a head coach and a coordinator. Undefeated. Eventually, that's got to come to an end. And even though this is a must-win game for Georgia, and like we said on the podcast, Georgia can't lose this game. Florida can. You know, Florida can lose this game in the national perspective. No one expected Florida nationally to be this good or get this far or be competing for the East as well as they have been. Everyone expected Georgia to be there and no one else. And if they want, if they don't want to be considered a bust this year, they have to win this game. And I understand all that. But I just don't know if I trust Coley to call plays to win this game yet. And so he's got to prove me wrong, and I'd rather be proven wrong, and I want to be right in my pick. And so I'm I'm going with Florida to win this game. Yep, I totally understand. Kyle Trask is um, – and I, and I like that you're hinging it on Coley, which it sort of – I'm gonna tell you this though: if, if they lose this game and it's an ugly, it's it's ugly called game. This is nothing I've been told. This is nothing like that at all. Do not be surprised if Coley is no longer the coach, the offense coordinator at U, at University of Georgia. Mm. Wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Especially if he goes away from, uh, you know, running the ball to the outside, or you know, if if, if yeah. he if he goes away from stuff that is that something that might be working, or tries to stick with something that isn't working. You know, um, be creative, fig- figure things out. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of this to uh, to to be creative. I'm, oh, I like I, I understand where your point is coming from. I feel like the players are going to will this through for the dogs. I feel like there's a lot of games where you're kind of like, man, Florida sort of seems to escape. Florida sort of seem, and I don't mean to say that to take stuff away from them. I don't oh, like no. to sound like you, I'm that guy, mm-hmm, but I feel no. like you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They they just get this one or two plays. They just got a couple of those calls against South Carolina. They just get the 88-yard play from Piran against, uh, against Auburn. And two, you know, it doesn't help. I don't feel like sort of the trash talking that they've been doing this week either. I don't know if that always plays out very well, uh, especially in a rivalry game between these two teams. 
and and when one's not doing a lot of talking and the other's doing talking, I sound like a fanboy now. But give me the no, names. Look, man, you're not wrong. Like you and I said this earlier in this in early in the year that or not in this the college football year, but the actual the actual calendar year that his little his little jabs back back at the spring game are, are going to could possibly come back to haunt him. And 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 I I agree with that I, I I do and and I I look man I I honestly I there's a part of me just like I said on the 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 bonus episode there's a part of me that could see Georgia just putting everything together and just could put could put this together and um beat the freaking crap out of Florida mm-hmm. I could I could see it and and the thing is like it's not far fetched for me to to see that. But I just don't know, man. I just I I just don't trust the play caller, and and that is disappointing. That is disappointing for me, especially being a Georgia fan. That is is just sad. And so I plan on um, hoping that I'm wrong. But I, again, I just want to be right. I just I just want to be right. And if I end up being wrong. I'm a, I'm a, I will make this. I will make this. And I, you, I said this to you last year because I, I think I've been pretty good at calling upsets for Georgia over the last three years specifically. I called the Auburn or Auburn game in 17. I called the LSU game in uh, 18. I called the Ole Miss game in 16. And I just feel that this could this could happen. But I will. But to on the positive end, if they put everything together. And regardless of how how big they win, whether they win big or they win small, if they win this game, I'm calling it. They're gonna win the SEC because if because that means if they win this game, that means Colby has figured it out. This team has put this loss behind them, and they're gonna be hungry for blood. Does that make sense? It does. I've not been successful calling Florida games. I almost want to take turn, change my pick. I've, I think it was was it last year, the year before, where any time I picked Florida, the the other team won, and any time I p- picked the other team, Florida would win. And I think I did it that weekend of the Georgia game. I said I picked Florida. I'll take Florida to win it, so that you know, kind of keep up with the trend. I don't know what my success rate has been this year against them, but well, I mean, both but you and I, you you and I have been wrong about Florida every game except for the LSU game. Yeah. I mean, so like, and, and we've got some time. Like, we've only we've only got an hour. So I, I know you got to go, but I just, just to take a couple more minutes on this, just to, just to look at it. I, and David said this too, man, and, and I respect the crap out of David for just you know, I, I didn't realize he felt this way, but he thinks that Kirby is actually a good to great coach. He's just young. He's just been a young coach, and I think that Kirby Kirby has to let loose a little bit, man. He has to let loose, and he's got to trust. He's got to trust his team. He's got to make. He's got to. He's got to go. How do I put this? He's got to have a little less miles in him to call call a play at the right time. I, I stand by this. I don't care what anyone says. That fake punt may have been executed poorly, but McCole Hardman was wide open. All Fields had to do was throw the ball, and he didn't. And so that's why it looked so awful. And 
I think that he just needs to quit making incredibly dumb decisions at the end of games, like calling a timeout for the other team. And again, but again, I I, I think them losing this game, me picking them to lose this game has nothing to do with Kirby Smart. I trust Kirby Smart. I trust Jake Fromm. I trust our defense. I trust the O-line. I trust actually everyone on the field. I just don't trust who's calling the plays. So, do you have anything else to add to that? Um... I'll, I'll, I think it was mentioned to me earlier this week. Another tidbit that's going to be really important is Georgia's pass rush for this ball game. If it's they not don't, great. yeah, if they don't get after Trask and he has time to sit back there and throw to this talented wide receiver group, it that's gonna that's gonna mean it's over. No matter how good the defensive backs are, if a quarterback can just sit back there and toss it around, it's going to be in trouble. Uh, and and will be in trouble because that receiver group has got talent for days. They know what they they're do. doing. They're experienced. They do. And Kyle yep. Trask has a rapport with them uh, that he's built up very well. So we have to pressure uh, – Georgia has to pressure uh, Kyle Trask in this ball game if they want to have a chance to win. Completely agree. And I don't know if Florida's offense – I don't know how well they've done this year, but it feels as though – you know, I don't know if they're impenetrable. You know, we sh- we should be able to get back there. That I, I their O line is not great. Like they're they're also really fickle. Like they can't do both things well. They can either pass block well or run well. The last couple games, well, before the last couple games, they haven't been able to run the ball at all. But the last games, they've either been able to run really well or throw really well, and and it's not really kind of been both. And so I'm I'm super curious to see what this ends up being. Um, I I'm just I'm just excited. Like this sounds so stupid. This has nothing to do with the game in general. But I'm just excited you and I are going to get to watch it together. So, mm. well, if we're losing, I don't want to drive four hours to lose. Well, I, <laughs> I don't want you. To, I don't want you to be here if they lose either. Um, <laughs> but geez, uh, when's the last time we watched a game together? Uh, uh... Was it, was it 2012? <laughs> was no. it was it when we just sat in the living room and just stared no, out no, into we, the distance? No, no, we 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 we've watched a game since then. There, there's no way that's the last time we watched a game together because that was the that was the day that I realized I have to care less about about if Georgia wins or loses in a day. Um, in a game. No, yeah, you're right. We played. I think we watched the Alabama beat down. Oh wow, that's encouraging. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think our watching I don't think our, our watching games together has gone very well. I might be staying home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not, I might not be superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm good, man. I'm that's all I got. I'm I'm ready for these games. Any other games from uh for this weekend? Virginia Tech, Notre Dame. Uh, they're both five and two. Virginia Tech quietly five and two on the season. I think uh, they beat Notre Dame. NC State and uh, Wake Forest. Nah, not really. Um, anything else? Uh, Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech, but not nah, or Georgia Tech. Nah. UAB and Tennessee. UAB six and one. That could be interesting. Virginia and North Carolina. Oh, not a whole lot more. Can Michigan keep it up against Maryland? Can Michigan go out and repeat last week's performance in terms of like explosiveness? And that's an interesting question to me uh, if they can do that. And then 
you realize how angry I'm going to be if all of a sudden Michigan goes on goes on this tear and w- wins it all, like wins the, their conference, like beats everybody. Why would you be angry? Because of how how much we just shredded. Everyone just shredded Michigan for weeks. And then for them, just to, the, the Notre Dame game is like the spark that leads them to 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 tur- turning this whole thing around. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, that that might be frustrating. I'm pulling for it because I, I want to see Ohio State get challenged. I want Me to too. see somebody step up and kind of give them a run. Penn State should do it. I want I want it to happen multiple times. Um, but all right, we're we're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, man, let's do this. All right, well, uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, two friends, one love. That's college football, uh, or that's uh, a rich tradition. College football <laughs> podcast. I'll get it right here in a minute. It's not important. Uh, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, if you like the podcast, uh, be sure to to let it be known. That would be very much appreciated by Robbie and myself. We're very much new, Rob. I think this is episode twenty. So yeah, man. we're um we're pretty excited. Uh, we're getting a getting a fun chance to do it. We we're gonna get consistent at one at some point. But uh, we're just trying to nail down the schedule. Uh, he's Robbie Steltonpole. I'm Spencer Van Horn. Two friends, one love. That is college football. We'll uh, catch you on the flip flop later. Later.